Hey everyone, uh, welcome to the podcast Saturday Cartoons, hosted by myself, Kalen, and my best buddy, Cord. Uh, we are here to bring the joy of Saturday mornings to you any day of the week. You heard him, ladies and gentlemen. This is Cord, best buddy of Kalen, and we are bringing you Saturday morning wherever you are and whatever day of the week it happens to be that you're listening to this. Come with us as we experience the glory that was a Saturday morning in the 90s. Truly one of the best times to be alive in the history of not only this country, but possibly the world. Um, we're gonna be walking through episodes of Saturday classics that you would have found back in the day during the 90s, and we can't wait for you to come on that adventure with us. So make sure you got some gushers, you got a Capri Sun, maybe a little surge if you're getting a little sleepy, you got up kind of early today, you know, to get started. Wake up. Yep, <laughs> yes, get that surge ready if you need it. Um, we're about to, to hit it. Kaylin, why don't you give them a breakdown of kind of where we envision this show going? Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, who doesn't want to relive the best times of the 90s being Saturday mornings with the cartoons. So, I do. <laughs> right? Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. What, we, what we plan to do with this show is we want to really dive into those iconic cartoons, the ones that really stick in your memory and you could literally watch any day of the week, any year of the decade. Um, right. Bring you that joy. So we're going to start by diving into um, Darkwing Duck, if you guys remember that iconic legend. And the way we're planning on doing this is really kind of discussing episode by episode, um, really dissecting what's going on, who the characters are, what the premise is, um, our thoughts, our feelings, our deepest, darkest emotions related to the episode, um, to just bring back that flavor that we all could use a little bit more of in our lives, um, of that nostalgic 90s Saturday feeling. Right. When, when Caitlin says we're diving into these episodes, to give you a mental image, I mean, you are uh, Scrooge McDuck in DuckTales, and you're at the top of the bank vault, and the bottom, the gold, it, are these episodes, and we are going full-on nosedive off the board into these things. Right it's going to get deep, my friends. We are going to be swimming in that gold, just spitting it out our beak as we do backstrokes in it. Um, so we really are excited to take you on that journey with us as we watch an episode of Darkwing for now, it'll, it'll eventually be a different series. And then we start dissecting it. I mean, we're going to dig into these bad boys and we're going to kind of look at them both in the context of, of the day, some of the, some of the things we observe that would have been appropriate and maybe then <laughs> not so much now. And also that modern lens, as we look back on these things, it's going to be a pretty fun time. We might take some detours along the way. I'm just going to warn you this, this trip, doesn't just go down one straight road. It's going to get a little nutty. We might get off the road. We might get on to some gravel. I don't know. It's going to, I don't even know. No, I totally agree. Nobody wants to go just straight down that road and we're not the, the people who are going to take you there. Uh, we're going to go all over the place so we can make sure we find every little hidden gem um, coming at you from the 90s. So um, for those who want to join in on the journey, um, the way we are going to really follow the episode outline um, is going to be primarily through Disney Plus, um, kind of the stream of the century, in my opinion. And we're going to follow their list for the most part. Um, like Cord said, we might be jumping back and forth in order to bring a more cohesive timeline. Um, but if you want to follow along, we're going to be letting you know um, what episode's up next, what's um, what's on the telly each Saturday morning, and um, that way you can definitely follow along and um, participate and think and share your own thoughts on um, the episodes that we're watching. So, um, yeah, exactly. And there's, I think, there's two ways if you're watching along with us that you could do, go about this. You could watch the episode ahead of time. We'll give you a heads up of what episode will be, you know, next week, so you could watch it in the meantime, or you could listen to the cast hear our kind of dissection and critiques of the episode, then watch it and see what you think compared to what, you know, we had to say about it on, on the, the podcast. So either way, I think you'll have fun. It'll bring in the, the episodes of whatever series to the new kind of depth for you and kind of critical think about it. Um, maybe you'll observe some of the things that we observe. Maybe you have a different opinion. Um, here's another thing. 
why are we using Disney Plus? This is a treasure trove. Um, when you go through the series on Disney Plus, it is mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, wow. And, and until they make one for Nickelodeon, we're going to be living in Disney Plus for a while, I think. And there's plenty of content there for us to dive into and, and relive those great 90s memories. Absolutely. I definitely agree with you there. Yeah. When Nickelodeon makes one, we're, we're all in for basically never leaving the house again. <laughs> what we can't really do anyway. So we're, we're going to stick with the Disney Plus for now. And I, I think we're ready to kind of just start diving into our first episode of Darkwing Duck, Beauty and the Beat. Yeah, Beauty and the Beat. So right off the bat, um, you're going to go, wait a sec, were these guys <laughs> kind of like these show writers looking into the future, knowing that Justin Bieber was going to be making a song based on their episode someday? You know, um, I, I don't know how they called that. Or did Biebs go big Darkwing Duck fan, I'm going to borrow that first episode as, as the title for my song. Those are the questions I, I want answered. The immediate thing that comes to your mind, I think. <laughs> um, now, they did go with B-E-E-T. Um, I noticed that. So you're going, okay, beat, beauty and the beat. Here's something interesting about this. That as we did our homework, kind of getting ready for this episode, this episode dives right in with our, our main character, good old Darkwing, DW. He starts just telling, pulling a file, a massive file cabinet, to tell a tale of an adventure he was on at one point, a, a crime he solved, if you will. By the way, we'll get into this, but like the crime is, is really murder. Uh, we'll, we'll get there eventually, but like, <laughs> if that doesn't get you kind of like perked up a little bit, right. uh, it should. And so you, you might, as you start Disney+, Plus, when you play this first episode, you might go, well, this is an abrupt kind of jump into the pool. Like, okay, deep end, hello. It's actually very odd. The two first episodes of Darkwing are deeper in the, in the Disney Plus ser- season one series. Yep. In, the, in somewhere in the 30s. So we might actually dig into those next time because they set the characters up more, as I understand it. I haven't watched them yet. But because this is the first episode of season one on Disney Plus, you'll probably start there or have already watched it. We're going to go ahead and start there and do that for our first episode. So basically, we're going to go through kind of just opening thoughts about the episode, give a summary, just that arc, real basic arc, and then kind of dig into some of those plot points, those characters, and then our final takeaway. And, and we're going to score each episode. So you can take away our scores. Kaylin and I might have different scores. I don't know. Probably will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's dive in. Um, I'll go ahead and give that, that overarching curve of the episode. Break it down. And we can kind of dive into just our, I guess, our initial thoughts. What happened here, Kalen? What took place in this adventure? This was an adventure, I think, that is timeless. We got a scientist, Dr. Reginald Bushroot, mm-hmm. who is just wanting to make the world a better place. He is in love with nature, plants, and specifically creating food that he can then be able to help the world with, as well as provide humans the ability to feed off the sun. I mean, that right there is pretty cool. You could just go outside and get your daily nutrients. So you feel like maybe he's like a real big PETA guy. Like he doesn't yeah. like the idea of eating meat kind of. Yeah. He's like, he's like that friend at the restaurant. That's like, where's your vegan menu? I don't want to eat anything with eyeballs um, in a very positive light. Mm-hmm. So you, you root for this guy initially, and the, the, the episode starts, like like Cord said, where Darkwing is pulling out a file and discussing this case of Dr. Bushroot, and basically he is tormented for his beliefs. He is bullied by these two other scientists he worked with, and they call him all these kinds of names, like, you know, he's over the top, he's the, the crazy scientist, and... Mm-hmm. They basically make fun of him and ridicule him on the daily, which eventually leads him to kind of go full, full blown like Frankenstein, where he, his experiments eventually get him fired. His boss decides that he is a quack, for a better term, yeah, uh, and fires him, which pushes him over that edge where he decides he's going to take it into his own hands and he's going to prove that you can basically turn human skin into solar panels. So in in line with the Frankenstein, he sets up an experiment where he takes a plant and himself and he 
goes up to the roof during a lightning storm and gets electrocuted to try to merge himself with that plant. At first, he thinks it's a failure, but as he walks outside, he he starts turning green. He starts noticing that plants are responding to him as if they can understand and hear him. Mm-hmm. And he realizes that he has succeeded, but also has become and slowly continues to become more of a monster, uh, both physically and emotionally, which then brings in kind of the romance section of any kind of good monster film. There's this beautiful female doctor scientist that he used to work with. Mm -hmm. And of course, he's in love with her. um, And she's kind of like the, I would describe her as the girl like from King Kong. Um, She's the girl who can kind of tame the beast. Right. Uh, He's going nuts. She's kind of the one that brings him back, helps yeah. him remember who he was. But, of course, it doesn't always end well. Uh, he, he thinks she likes him. She says she doesn't, or not in that way. And, of course, then what happens? He decides to go uh, a little nutty. Uh, he basically attacks his old colleagues. He kidnaps the girl. He wants to turn her into this half-plant, half-duck mutant thing so they can be together forever. Mm -hmm. And that's where Darkwing needs to basically swoop in um, to save her and um, stop Mr. Bushroot from basically taking over the planet um, in his little mutant form. So uh, needless to say, Darkwing obviously succeeds in in a a way that I don't think could be uh, aired on television nowadays, which we'll dive into, but he stops Bushroot he saves the girl, and we all live to see another day. Right. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> Although, really, I mean, you kind of, it's, this episode, it's almost like spoiled from the start because it starts with Darkwing saying, like, let me pull out a case file of a crime I basically solved. So you know he's going to win at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how could you miss that? I mean, I know that Darkwing's going to beat this bad guy. Now it's just all about how. Tell me, Daddy Darkwing. You know, give me a story. Um, yeah. So, so I don't feel like even though you just like without us saying, "Hey, spoiler alert! Darkwing wing wins." Like yeah. the episode slaps you in the face with that to start, you know, unless there's some weird like you know Fight Club scene or something. So that was a really good, I think, overview of, of what took place in the episode for those of you that maybe watched it, you know, previously or like a while ago, or you haven't watched it yet. You kind of want to know generally what happens in the arc before we start diving into some of the more nuanced things or the things that Caitlin hit on here. Can we just start with the true start of the show? And that is the theme song. I forgot how absolutely amazing that theme song. And I mean, I would say a majority of the 90s cartoons, their theme songs are just an amazing punch in your face. <laughs> it's it's so good. Like those guys that wrote these and then did their little, like, I'm sure it was like a small group in the studio that had to, you know, perform these because there's so many instruments and, and the yeah. singing and everything coming together. Like, it is truly a fantastic song. Darkwing's not the only series like that. Of course, a lot of those yeah. Disney, they, they gave it that extra effort. And that is just such a great 90s staple of a good cartoon is that they put the effort into those theme songs. And Darkwing is maybe one of the best, uh, in my personal opinion, of all. Yeah. Um, no, so I definitely catchy. agree. It is catchy. Um, it really brings you into the world. It has a very like old school comic book crime fighting feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just starts with such a punch. Um, it doesn't even like let you slowly get into it. It's just like, bam, I'm here. When there's trouble, we call DW, mm-hmm. get dangerous. Like all these awesome taglines that just really reel you in and are like, let's go. We're going to fight crime and we need your help. Well, and think about when this show debuted, early 90s. Like, what was really popular at that time in music and pop culture? But, like, I'm pretty sure that's when that, like, rap was coming on the scene. And you you feel that hip-hop, like, influence on the theme song, which I'm sure, like, kids, you know, were like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, I got some own-like version of hip-hop with DW over here. Just really cool. And not only is the theme theme song cleverly written and well-performed, But every one of the quick shots that they show throughout the whole theme song, it's a, it's a clip from season one, some episode in season one, yeah. and they're like the best of the best of the best. Like every one of those clips, you're like, oh, I can't wait to watch that episode. What's going on with that? Was that guy yeah. a bull? Who's that evil version of Darkwing Duck? Like, whoa, all this stuff. Um, 
just a really great way to start the show and just get you excited to, hey, I'm, I'm here. It's Saturday morning. I'm tuned in. I'm on time. You know, I don't have to do the yard work until this afternoon. I yeah. get a zone, zone into my Darkwing right now. Mom, get off my back. Here we go. <laughs> it's Darkwing time. And it just, it just transitions you mentally to prepare you for this journey you're about to go on with our buddy DW. 100%. You know, this the episode really starts with that like kind of Darkwing doing this dark narrating of a story. And I don't, I haven't watched enough episodes yet. I don't think they all go like this where like he's like, let me tell you about this adventure. But that's right. how this one starts. But it, do you remember if, they, if there's more like that? Is that a common thing? I I feel like it's, it's common in the sense that, um, no, I don't. First of all, I don't believe he's going to be sitting in a room in a giant chair by a fireplace every episode. Mm-hmm. I know in some of the ones I've watched ahead, it starts with him just like starting out the night or just in an adventure currently. So I know that I think this episode was unique in the sense that it was him kind of doing a story. Whereas the other episodes are much more of us going on the adventure as it's happening. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe they, they did that on purpose because of the, how the first and the real authentic first and second episode are like 30, 31 in Disney plus mm-hmm. wondering if maybe they had put this one as number one because the, the beginning starts. So kind of storyteller introductory type feel. Cause yeah, even the next episode doesn't start like that. Cause I think they're like, okay, now you know who this person is for the most part, but this one I think was definitely unique in how they decided to kind of start it to introduce us to the main protagonist of the, the series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For those of you that haven't done English for a while, protagonist is the good guy. Um, <laughs> moving I'm on. I'm so proud I knew that word. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep using the big words and then I'll break them down for people if they, Wait, you know, okay. if they need it. Unless um, I use it wrong. <laughs> so, so, well, yeah, in, in, unless I understand it incorrectly. And then <laughs> I think I'm dumb. Um, so, we really we get into the first scene of the Darkwing story that he's telling at St. Canard University. So so Canard is it Canard City? Is that like the main city, like kind of Gotham City play parody? And it's St. Canard is the university in town there. It looks pretty prestigious by the just like kind of the, the look of it, like a pretty Ivy League type school. There's even an Ivy League joke later on in the episode we'll get into, but it kind of has that feel of an Ivy League, like pretty nice prestigious university. Yep. And then you get in there into the science labs and you find out there are a couple scientists that are colossal, colossal bullies. And mm. this is this is interesting to me that these these scientists are bullies because that's not a typical way scientists are perceived. So it's interesting they that these guys act the way they do. I mean, you've got your uh, doctor, the main antagonist, Dr. What's his name? Quackenbush? Bushroot. Bushroot, thanks. Dr. Bushroot is working on his potato. And these jerks <laughs> take it. They're not only playing hot potato back and forth right. while like taunting him, but then they drop it on the floor. And while this tuber is on the floor that he obviously put a lot of work into, they literally step on it and smash it. They're, they're both doctors. Like they've said, my name right? is doctor, whatever, and doctor, whatever. They've gone to so many years of, of college and education, and they're, they're employed by this prestigious university, and they stomp on this guy's experiment? Yeah. It, it's, it really makes you initially start to root for Bushroot. You realize how much of a victim he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way they're perceived in this episode, like you said, like they're doctors, they're scientists, but they're really acting like like sixth graders, almost. Yeah, like sixth grade bullies. Mm-hmm. Abusing them. And I think the, the weirdest part for me is even after they decide, hey, we're going to smash his experiment, <gasps> basically, mm-hmm. then even when his boss comes in, he... The does, dean. He, yeah, the dean comes in and he still is on basically on the side of the bullies. Like, you guys need to stop messing around. Dr. Bushroot, you need to stop. You know, what are you doing? You're wasting time. You're being, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not doing your job. And it's like the one person who should have probably been on his side as a leader was almost just siding with those bullies. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, like, they they go from bad in that they're these, like, science bullies 
and they're super horny because when the <laughs> attractive female doctor comes in, they're just like, like it's a one way ticket to boner town. Like these guys, yeah. if they, if they could show it, they'd be walking around with boners. Like they're just like falling over 100%. themselves for yeah. this female doctor, like very inappropriately, in my opinion, like they're just head over heels showing their attraction for their colleague, their coworker. Yeah. Early nineties. I get it. A little bit different time still <laughs> though. Like we're past the eighties guys. This is nineties. That was, that was just inappropriate workplace behavior. I thought hundred um, percent they're horny and <laughs> basically to make things worse, you find out these science, these hornball science bullies, they're actually like crossed with like the Frankenfood guys. Like they're not just like scientists that are bullies and horny, but they make Frankenfood. Like that's their yeah, thing. That's their thing. Could they get any worse? Like what right? else would they have to do? Be into little kids or something? Like, I don't know. I, yeah. They are obviously overcompensating because they, they're huge guys. Like the cartoon made them very large ducks compared to bush roots. They're very bulky. And they're then- giants. They're, they're definitely the kind of, like, uneducated duck that is very, like like you had said, driven by, oh, that's a female, I want to, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they're making these ginormous vegetables. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what are, you, what are you compensating for there? Like, there's clearly something that you're missing that you're trying to overcompensate for. Hone in on the fact that these guys, everything for these guys has to be big. And I think that was a real play because of how small Bushroot is. Mm-hmm. That was definitely intentional to try to give them a little bit more of like that old school 90s bully feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the cartoons kind of show is the bad guys and the bullies are a lot. A lot of the time they're the big guys in the cartoon, like the big. Classic staple. Bulky, yeah. So yeah. I don't think that was intentional. Um, but it was kind of funny to see that they're making this giant fruit or not fruit vegetables, um, which definitely fit their persona. That's exactly kind of what they, they represented in this episode. Yeah. And, and the, the writers definitely had a, a vision in mind to make these guys the worst that they could. Yeah. And then they have kind of this agenda built in there that like Franken foods are bad, which probably in the nineties was pretty woke. You know, like we're, oh, yeah. we're like, feed the world, man. Bigger, the better, the more, the, the merrier. And like, that wasn't until like the 2000s where people were like, maybe we shouldn't be injecting all this stuff <laughs> into stuff and eating it. They, no GMOs. They were ahead of their time. They're also, the writers I thought picked on something that has come to light more and more in recent years. And that is these research universities and how profit-driven they can become by going after the scientific patents on things. Yeah. And like this dean comes in is like, Pennies are getting pinched, you know. Uh, we we got to cut the fat here and focus on those experiments that make us profit as a university. Like people weren't talking about that in the '90s, I don't think. I don't think so either. No, it's talked about now. So we're going to do research to make profit as a university. We're essentially a company, is what this episode is telling us early on. And I think that's just way ahead of its time. Like nowadays, yeah. you'd be like, "Yeah, okay, I get it." That makes sense. But yeah, back then that, that wasn't a normal, like people didn't normally discuss like GMOs and research for the only goal of being profit. Mm-hmm. That episode was very clearly directed as we need to stop experimenting in ways that maybe could help the world, but instead we need to do what we need to make us money. We need yeah. to profit, even if it's potentially garbage food, if it's bigger and it can feed 500 people and make us $5 million. We're going to do that over other kind of experimental bush root type experiments. Right. And how do you make a profit off of bush roots where it's like, if you, you know, just eat this vegetable, all of a sudden, like you don't need to eat more. The sun's going to essentially nourish you. So yeah. it's almost like the anti-profit model. And that's what they cut. They cut it. Yeah. Cause it, it's going to help people, but it brings them no money if nobody's buying their food. Right. They literally cut and degrade his work to make sure that people are focused on what's going to make them the money. And they basically silence him for that. Right. So he finds out he's getting laid off by the dean. He's like, hey, Bushroot, you're out of here, buddy. And then in case those bully, hornball, scientist guys weren't bad enough, they kick him while he's down. Like 
after he got fired, they continue to, yeah. this guy just lost his career. His, his savings is, you know, whatever, like retirement plan, like is in jeopardy His health insurance. It's all out the freaking door. He just got laid off and yeah. they continue to tease him on the way out. Do you, you imagine someone like that? Like what a ruthless person. That, yeah, no, they, they have absolutely no filter, no regard for just common decency. I mean, he just lost everything when, A, he was trying to make the world a better place, and B, he wasn't affecting or bothering anybody directly. He had nothing to do with those other scientists. He wasn't interfering with their work. And they bullied him to the point where he got fired, and then they continued to bully with him after he was basically down a hole. Like he had nowhere else to go and he wasn't bothering them or saying anything. And he's still just, Oh, you got fired. Oh, you lost everything. Oh, we're going to keep kicking you while you're down. Cause yeah. Don't make the worst. Like us. I almost wonder if they made, if the writer made these guys so over the top, horrible, these two scientists, I should have written down their names. That's like Dr. Larry and Dr. Gary or something because, because of what's going to happen to them in a little bit and to like take the edge off of actually how horrific their endings are to make them really, really bad guys. You know how like horror movies do that? Like the first guy to get killed is a total jerk, just a meathead, yep. maybe even like sexually assaulted somebody or something. And he goes down hard every And time. everybody almost cheers. And you're like, okay, that's work. Yeah. Good job, Jason. Kill that person. Exactly. They did that. They really wanted to make sure people knew these guys were bad and they were the villain because I feel they didn't want us to have any sympathy for what was coming. Even if we didn't know what was coming watching the episode for the first time, I I can say on my level, I had no regard for them. I was like, these two are just toxic. So I definitely think they played that. <laughs> they yeah. Sure we knew we were not supposed to like these guys. Right, lots of toxic masculinity coming through over there. Oh, um, w- w- again, writers very woke, I think. On this, yeah, one. Um, they, they called it. So these guys eventually are going to get what's coming to them, and maybe then some, maybe even more, <laughs> too much. And then what happens next is kind of that classic tale we've seen in so many movies and cartoons, and that is this desperate scientist with mm-hmm. a good intention, a, a great why if you will, you know, they're, they're what they're about to do and why they're going to do it. It's, it makes sense to them. It's it's for for the greater good. It's altruistic. And then something horrible happens and they end up becoming the villain, you know, and that's, Mm -hmm. that's a classic tale. I think it's true in so many stories. And I think it's true in some ways in like real life, it's, it's relatable um, that you like in your good intentions actually end up doing something very bad. And that's what happens to our bud, Dr. Quack and uh, what'd you call him? Bushroot? Bushroot. Reginald Bushroot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's um, a classic, that's a classic tale. Like you said, if you think nowadays or even back in the 90s or even early 2000s, like that storyline has become very iconic for a lot of films of that guy getting pushed to the edge when all he was trying to do was something positive, And then he eventually turns in to the villain his intentions started well and started good he eventually gets to the point where he loses sight of even who he was so i definitely think that 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 timeline is very classic and timeless um and we can definitely see that in other films and i feel like we'll continue to see that in other films basically forever because it's a very classic storyline um and i think people can also relate to it getting pushed so far that you lose sight of who you are to prove somebody else wrong or to prove your own point, you mm-hmm. become a villain in order to do so. And then you lose sight of why you started in the first place. Yeah. Bingo. And, and you're right there. It's that classic human tale that we've seen throughout history over and over. And it's this, these episodes, episodes like this serve as a great reminder to us to not become that scientist. So back to the story, he has these great <laughs> intentions. He sends himself up and gets zapped by lightning while he's connected to a plant. And now he's a plant man. And Which is perfect science, like, that's like a perfect logic. Lightning literally can transform you into a plant. Yeah, wild. He must have, I guess, really done some, some research on that. I mean, I guess it's his whole professional career. But, like, logically, you don't think that would make that connection. You know, like, you just get fried yeah. and with the plant. 
I just want to know who originated. I mean, maybe it was Frankenstein's story, but like, who was the first one to think like, if you want to merge or start something with somebody else, get shocked by lightning. Yeah, massive amounts of electricity surging. Do anything for you. That's a classic thing, though, isn't it? Everybody thought electricity was like this wild super science thing, and it's actually kind of simple. We see that a lot in the 90s when I think about it, like a lot of shows where they'll get struck by lightning and somehow they'll get some kind of extra gift, mm-hmm. like kick, or they can hear television or radio signals. So, yeah, it was kind of strange that they would, I mean, I think it's part of the timeline, making him that Frankenstein monster. Let's do the classic experiment. But, yeah, he gets zapped with like a, I think it's like a daisy. Like it's just one little flower in a pot and boom, the daisy dies. But in reality, it's kind of like merged into him. Yeah, and, and we don't know if maybe there were some genetic modifications made to that plant early on that made it so it would transfer its traits or whatever to him. Like, we don't know any yeah. of that backstory. It's just too short of an episode, I think, to get into that, like, yeah. the science. Yeah. So we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and we'll just kind of move along. All of a sudden, we just accept he is now part duck, but, but also part plant and has plant powers and can control plants. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty fascinating powers, really. Like, pretty impressive powers, if you see later on what he does with those powers. Um, not, not bad at all. So he, he goes from where his experiment took place, finds out he has powers, goes back to the university. He's back to St. Canard, right? Yeah. And, and what happens when he goes back in the science lab to show everyone he was on to something? Hey, you know, I, I did my experiment. And I get power from the sun now. I never need, you know, food again. And what happens? Those two cornball <laughs> bully scientists Ugh. make fun of him. He's a plant duck. He's more plant than duck. And they right? crack jokes. Are you kidding me? They're making fun of him because he is slowly turning green. And they totally ignore the fact that this man just genetically merged with a plant he literally proved them wrong too he literally proved that what he was saying about feeding off the sun and them saying oh that's stupid that can't work blah 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 he literally walked in and was like look i'm right you're wrong and what did they do oh but you're green so you're still a loser right they's going on the attack and you know what it's the last time that they're gonna have that opportunity to to put something down and and you know the writers really send a strong message here. Uh, don't be a bully. Um, apparently not every kid got it because there was definitely bullies as I went oh, through school totally. you know, in the 90s. But it was, here's what happens to bullies. And he, at first, it took, my, uh, took me a minute to accept what he does to them. But he straight up offs these guys. <laughs> he, yeah, no, he, and it's not even like a, I don't feel that the way in which he does it is even like, like, what's the word? Like, not, I don't want to say ethical because I don't think killing anybody's ever ethical, but like, it's not like a quick, like, you shoot somebody in the head and they're dead and it's done. Like, I feel like they definitely probably suffered and it probably Mm -hmm. took them a little while before they were actually gone with the method in which he just executed them. Yeah, he straight up executed them in what seemed like a very painful kind of what would qualify as like cruel and unusual uh, form. And and at first I'm just like, wait, so are these guys just like temporarily plants yeah. or something? But you come to realize like, no, they're dead. They're dead. Like yeah. they became a plant and, and it's a plant that's not moving and, and they never like pop back to life at the end of the episode like Disney movies do and stuff where somebody no. got turned in. No, they're just, nope, those guys are done. Bye. Yeah, it gave me um, some Evil Dead vibes. Um, the, if anyone's ever seen the movie Evil Dead, when um, the plant attacks the girl, I won't go into detail, but mm-hmm. like those plants went everywhere, in and out of those bodies. And I think they did a real, like, I feel like they also kind of played it off, I think, to lessen how intense it is when you really think about it. Because when you see them, it's almost like a funny, like they have little funny noise effects and like, burp, 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 like all oh, these two guys are now dead, like in weird, funny poses. Mm-hmm. 
It's like, I think they try to make it really lighthearted, but when you think about it and you really just take a moment, you're like, Bushroot, definitely, like, that's revenge and then some. Yeah, so he's made a big leap as a character to, like, full-on, he's a villain. Now, it's clear after he makes that, he does that thing. But it does also make me wonder, like, these guys were the worst, right? Yes. In a different universe, could that almost be a form of justice? Like, he did he just do the entire duck society a favor by getting rid of this, like, sexual harassment lawsuit waiting to happen to this poor university? Like, I, I know in our, in our time, in this world, it's not acceptable to just, like, that, that a plant guy <laughs> could just kill these, these doctors or whatever because they're, like, the worst guys. But in, in that world, maybe it's not that big a deal. Maybe that's why DW doesn't have that big a reaction. And the female doctor, she's not that put off by it. Like, maybe they're just more pragmatic, I guess. I feel like this is, actually, this is the turning point, too, where the episode title starts to make a little bit more sense, where it's Beauty and the Beat, um, which I feel references Beauty and the Beast, obviously. Mm-hmm because we start to see the female scientist kind of overlook the beast that Bushroot has become because she starts talking to uh, DW and saying, like, how wonderful this guy is. And she uses his first name and says how he's still human. He's not a beast. It's on the inside, not the outside. Um, so I, start to, I feel like they start to play up that scene now, now that he's a monster I feel like they want to keep people invested in his story and not just see him as a monster. Um, but that also, I feel, starts to give us a new arc into, like, well, it's not over. Um, he got his revenge on those two, but there's, there has to be more. There's more coming around the corner. So I felt like that led to it when she started basically giving him compliments, which he was unfamiliar with, which kind of sends him on a new spiral of, ooh, now that these two guys are out this girl likes me. Oh man, I have to, I have to be with her now. Yeah. That, that his coming back to the lab triggered two things. It triggered one, a a mental reminder to himself that he's attracted to this woman and might actually have a chance with her. But two, he's, he's basically got a a, a taste for revenge. And initially after the meal, I think revenge often feels good like you had a great meal after you had yeah, a, you got a rush right it's usually like down the road where people regret it just like if they like a whole thing of ice cream like at first you're like wow that was great but then yeah. the next day when you're working out or even a, a week from now you're like you're super heavy and you're like why am i so heavy oh i ate that whole box of ice cream he's yep. going to regret this revenge tour he's about to go on eventually but right now he's actually in the middle of the course he's like i want another serving of revenge yes so he's killed these two scientists who's left on his S word list. Yeah. It's the Dean. The Dean. And so the Dean's the one that fired him that chose profits over good science um, and took the side of the bullies, um, did nothing to stop the bullying, by the way. Like there's some negligence. So he's next on the list. And DW's mission is protect all life. Like I'm, I've got to stop, you know, these crimes i assume they're crimes in their society uh from taking place i've got to try to bring him to justice after killing these guys and then stop him from killing the dean yeah and, and that's really where he gets involved here and, and starts to get to know this villain is, is trying to get the justice protect the dean and so when <clears throat> when our good uh evil doctor comes for the dean there was a great joke by our, our sidekick character. Oh, there's so many puns in this episode. Oh, there's so many vegetable and plant puns. It's Yeah. I couldn't even think of that many if I tried. <laughs> well, I know. It's like they must have had some fun writing those. I, I'm sure oh, they did. Yeah. And it makes you wonder, like, wow, making vegetable puns must be super easy. But um, <laughs> the one that caught my ear from Launchpad, the tree steals the Dean and takes off out the, the door again or, like, out the wall that it came through. And Launchpad makes the comment, um, wow, his bark is worse than his bite. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's, a, that's almost a double pun, you know? That's, and that's like classic, like, I feel like it's jokes like that that really bring me back to sitting on the couch as like a five or six-year-old watching this episode. I would have died. I would have been like, 
that is one of the funniest little pun jokes I've ever heard. And I would have probably used it too. I would have like started saying it to people, even if it didn't make sense. Cause it's like, it's like those little zingers that I feel all nineties cartoons have that is missing in a lot of episodes and there are a lot of shows today. Oh, uh, that, that zinger is just like, and it was so nonchalant. It wasn't like that. His bark is worse than his bite. But then like the episode just kept going on and it, but it was perfect comedic timing. I would it was great. It, and not very long after, uh, while they're having the same kind of fight from that initial like tree coming in to grab the Dean, um, there was another great one that I don't think a lot of kids would have gotten. I know I wouldn't have until I was like probably 14 or something. Um, he says something along the lines of uh, a bunch more trees start coming into attack. And he's like, Oh, why did it have to be an Ivy league school? <laughs> what are kids? Are kids are supposed to know what the Ivy leagues are. Right. You know, an eight year old or something like, Oh, it's just a great pun. And as an adult, you actually appreciate it way more than you would have. As a kid. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I, I don't think I would have got that as a child either, but it's, it's genius. It's so funny. It just, it makes sense and it flows with everything they're trying to accomplish. It was genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a, a good string of puns really close together there as as Darkwing and Launchpad take their first shot at trying to stop this guy unsuccessfully for the most part. I mean, they, they basically just get wrecked by him and his powers and his plant powers while they're chatting with the female doctor who's like, no, they're still good in him. Um, she, she calls him by his first name. And he's, yep. he's eavesdropping. He's, he's doing that whole spy thing, you know, legal, 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 probably not legal. This guy has to be the first doctor to get excited when someone didn't call him doctor. Like, right. he's just his first name, and he's actually happy about it. He loves uh, it. Instead of, like, trying to correct her, like, actually, it's doctor. It's Dr. Bushroot, yeah. ma'am. <laughs> no, he's, like, super pumped about it. Um, and that's where it's, like, I think for him, his light bulb, I can make her like me. Yeah. She'll see how great this is. We can be together, basically. Yes. Right? Which takes us, it kind of leads us up to our third act, which is he basically snatches her, takes her to the big greenhouse. We're going we're gonna to do our experiment on her. There was a, uh, a line, we're going to start kind of wrapping things up. I know we're getting long here. There was a line I noticed that was okay then, I'm sure, as there's puns being thrown out as dark wings trying to fight him and generally losing. Uh, which is classic, like that's going to happen every episode. But he he gets out a weed whacker and he says, it's time to toss a little salad. I remember that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought you might have caught that. I heard that and I'm like, wow, we just went from G to PG to NC-17. <laughs> right, yeah, like this is... <laughs> M-A. Um, I, I feel like at the time, maybe that wasn't a term, but it like yeah. about in the late 90s, 2000, something. Um, if it was oh. a term that was used, then, then shame on them, frankly, for sticking that in yeah. there. No pun intended. Yeah, I, that one definitely stood out. And I, I'm thinking the same thing. I couldn't remember. I mean, obviously I was young, but I don't know if that was a term back then. I feel like they were literally just trying to throw in a, a salad pun. And now re- watching it now in today's um, mindset, it's iconic. Right. <laughs> and a toss and salad. And it's like, Oh, okay. I thought you were going to fight him, but okay. Yeah. I don't know if we have time for that. I don't know if there's any time. <laughs> um, there was another, um, there was another thing that was said towards the end of the battle. And it's actually after, Darkwing beats uh, beat the beat guy. Um, and his comment was, you know, of course, like every time a kind of arrogant hero beats the bad guy, a cocky hero, which Darkwing is to a T, he has to say something after the victory. And yep. his comment here really threw me. He says, succotash. That was his statement, succotash. Like what that... Um, Looney Tunes character would say like, oh, succotash or whatever. It's like the only other place I've ever heard it. And so I'm not sure if they're making a connection to Looney Tunes or this is just something, uh, make him say something, kids won't care, whatever, you know, but like they seem to not be, 
lazy like that in other places. So I feel like it's not that. Um, succotash, I looked up. It is like a kind of a vegetable mash. Yeah. And so maybe they're like, he just got blended with that lawnmower thing. Yeah. And he became, yeah, he is succotash now, essentially. And if that's true, what eight-year-old to 10-year-old would have (laughs) a a concept of what that meant? I still had to Google it at 33. (laughs) I Googled it earlier today. Like I totally misspelled it. First off, yeah, no, I spelled it real bad. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to tell you guys how to spell it. Go ahead and, and enjoy the pursuit of looking <laughs> it up. Um, but yeah, what a what a weird thing to say. Except that maybe he kind of became succotash. Except no one would know that that's watching the show. But yeah, all the other puns were very easy to recognize what they were saying and the the joke behind them. But succotash, it's like. Is it just like a fancy word that Darkwing's going to use to be like, hooray, instead of saying, I did a good job? Mm-hmm. That was definitely a choice. Because, yeah, there's no child or potential adult that would instantly know, oh, you made him into a vegetable medley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, suck dash. <laughs> no, it is something I'm going to use more often if I can. Yeah, obviously. Um, in my conversations. But, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like sometimes they build in lines in those shows back then, knowing that it's going to be over the the kid's head over it. And, and, and back then, like, okay, maybe there's an adult watching, maybe not, you know, like Pixar is always like, we assume there's an adult in the room. So we're going to give them some humor and we're going to give the Mm -hmm. kids the action and the, you know, whatever graphics, maybe there was a bit of that in how they built these scripts and stuff. Yeah. But part of me also wonders if like, they just had better and higher expectations for children. Like, we're going to tell our jokes up here, and you, kiddo, you need to come up here and meet us. Whether it's now or in five years, we're going to make you get smarter by challenging what you know, not meeting you down on your kind of dumb kid level. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's a good point that you just made, because I feel like a lot of cartoons and even just shows back then really didn't ever dumb anything down. Um, They were very much like they would say or make jokes or have concepts that may, like you said, be over the head of the child watching, but it was something that you would kind of grow to appreciate. Um, even if you didn't understand every joke of it, you still were totally invested. Um, and they, I never felt like they ever once like kind of dumbed it down. Mm-hmm. Um, just really did everything they wanted and however they wanted. And now looking back, realizing like how above the level it was from the time I was watching it, to what I was actually understanding as an adult is definitely something I feel that's special about the nineties and their just era of cartoons. That's to me sounds like you've already gotten into one of our takeaways from this episode. So we've, (laughs) we've wrapped it up. That's a great takeaway. What you just basically expanded on that little concept I had and you just ran with it. I'm with you hundred percent. I think if anything, that might be the main takeaway for us from this episode uh, that we can carry with us. It's like the bar was set up here and they didn't necessarily lower it down here. Like I bet I could watch episodes of Rugrats right now and there would be jokes and lines and references yep. in there to like stuff a kid would never get. But the writers were like, they'll get it. They'll have to get it. Like they'll have to go ask mom and dad, what is this about? Or wonder and, and use their imagination and make inferences, even though they don't know what an inference yep. is. And, and that, that expectation led to us, I think, growing pretty early on from watching really entertaining things like Darkwing and, and other shows. So Absolutely. great takeaway. Great takeaway. I want to hear your review. Uh, scale wise, we can just keep it nice and simple. Want to go, let's go one to 10, zero to 10. Zero to 10. Give me your ranking of this show and a couple notes of why. This episode, I would definitely give a good solid seven, mm-hmm. 10. I think, As an opener to the show um, in the lineup of Disney Plus, I think it was a great way to really kick off the show itself. I thought they stayed true to theme. I thought they used a very timeless storyline to get through the entire episode. And I felt like it really could resonate with a lot of people understanding kind of that underdog who becomes the villain that he was trying to prevent storyline. So I think it was good. Um, I think it was a great start, and I think um, 
I would definitely give it the, the solid seven out of 10. It's a solid score. I feel like there's probably going to be a lot of sevens and because it's a nice, like we know most of these episodes are good and sevens yes. are good. Some will get up into the eight, nine, some will be down in the six fives, but like, that's just a good series. So what I'm thinking is, um, as it judging it, not in the context that this is the first episode in the series, because then it kind of falls flat. It didn't do any character development whatsoever. Like, to yeah. introduce. but as a standalone episode, I think this was probably a good for me. I'm going to be a little more conservative probably and just give it a six and say, if you want to move into those eights, nines, you've got to be really good. So seven is like, man, that was a good episode. Six for me is it was okay. Um, I thought the scientist stuff was a little bit too on the nose, a little bit too obvious, maybe, uh, maybe even too unrealistic to a degree. Like how did these guys get to be scientists in the first place? Maybe they should have been a different profession that, that, that happened to work around him. You know, I don't know. Just a couple little, mm. little things that looks like bumped me a little that, okay. Uh, overall, very entertaining episode to get us started. I like that. I'm going to tell you a tale and you know, it's story time with Papa DW and that was fun. So six out of seven. I guess it averages a six point five. Not a bad, uh, bad score for the first uh, first episode of uh, some Darkwing Duck here. Pretty solid, pretty solid. All right, next week um, we will go in, go ahead and plan on diving into the true episode one and two. Darkly dawns the duck. Thank you. Part one. Part one and part two. Okay. So we'll have to um, dive right into the episode review next week, probably to cover all the content. Yep. <clears throat> so if That'll you, be if a you good, like, good thing. If you like the <clears throat> diving into these scenes and these characters, next week's going to be a great one to tune in because that's where we're going to just start ripping into Dark, Darkly Dawn's The Duck and, and just going after it. And I hope we get some, some kind of uh, not only see his niece, Goslin, but also yep. where does she come from? Like in this world, what happened to her, her real parents because I think she's adopted, you know, all that stuff. I'm hopeful it's in there. I can't wait to open up that box and look inside. Uh, I'm talking about the episode. With that, uh, any closing thoughts? No, I just think um, if you want to follow along, definitely um, feel free to watch the episode ahead of time. Um, If you want to be surprised and kind of wait to hear what we have to say after we dive in, you can wait for that surprise. But can't wait to to share another Saturday cartoon um, time with you since we can have Saturday anytime we want. Yeah, guys, thanks for for sharing your Saturday morning with us here on Saturday Cartoons. We look forward to to continuing to to kind of take you on these little adventures with us for a Saturday morning. We'll try to keep it under an hour. We know you got a lot to do and and, uh, we don't want to take up too much of your time, but hopefully you got to kind of relive some of these memories with us uh, through these shows that we're going to be reviewing um, and have a good time with us. So thanks all for tuning into our premiere episode and we hope you tune in again to hear us next week. Have a good one. See ya.